Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Well, good morning. For those of you tuning in who may not know, um, I am Pastor Ashley, and I have the privilege of being our children's pastor. And if there are any kids tuning in online, to all the kids also here in the room, let me tell you how much I miss being able to see you each and every week. So I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're tuning in online. It's just so great to be here this morning. So Pastor Chad and Pastor Melissa, they are away on holidays today. Well, at home in their wonderful new home. And so they are resting and getting that well-deserved rest they need after a great big renovation and a move. So he has asked if I could share the word with you this morning. So I have the privilege of doing that this morning. We're going to continue on and we're going to be talking about a book called Victory Over Darkness. And this week we're talking about how we must be real in order to be right. Before we dig in, let's take a moment and let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for another opportunity to dig into your word, to learn, to grow, and to hear from you. Father, I just pray that my ears would be open to hear from you, and that each one of us listening here today, God, that our ears would be open to hear from you. Not just the words on the paper, the words in your word, the words from some really smart people, but Lord, we pray that we would hear from you this morning. God, we give you this time. We ask you to change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the author of this book, Neil Anderson, he says, if you fail to appropriately acknowledge your emotions, you may become spiritually vulnerable. Now, I don't expect a show of hands, but how many of us love expressing our emotions? I know there's some people like myself. Uh, my dad's always told me that like, you can read me like a book. I wear my emotions on my sleeve ever since I was a little girl. And I don't think all too much has changed. <laughs> but... Some of us like to suppress those. And if I'm being honest, I have to say that I can do that too. So we're going to dig into that this morning and figure out what it means and how do we express those emotions? Why is it so important? What are the unhealthy ways we do this? What are the healthy ways we do this? Because it's not so healthy to just push them down and ignore them. But as Christians, oftentimes we categorize our emotions. Have you ever been there? You know, these are the non-Christian emotions. We don't feel hatred. We don't get angry. So if I feel those things, I just have to suppress them, ignore them, and move on, right? And then there's the Christian emotions. You know, the love, the joy, the peace. Those are the ones that we're supposed to express. So we'll just plaster those all over everywhere, and everything's fine and dandy no matter what's going on under the surface. Not healthy So we don't want to give the devil a foothold. And when we suppress those emotions, we actually can, which may sound shocking. And when I read that, I went, what? Like by just ignoring those really nasty emotions? Yeah. So Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on you while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. See, we often tend to think, you know, we're more spiritual, we're more righteous if we don't express those nasty emotions, the anger and all of that. But God is telling us that we need to be real. 
We tend to think that the more spiritual or righteous when we don't ex express those negative emotions. 1 Peter 5, 7, and 8 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Not just some of it. Not just the ones that, okay, well, today I'll tell you this much and maybe another day I'll tell you the rest. God knows it all. Just cast it all on him. It continues to say, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We need to be alert. We need to be aware of those emotions so we don't get devoured. And we need to be honest and vulnerable with those emotions, which can be scary to sometimes. To be honest, sometimes I just don't like it. Sometimes it's easier to just keep it all tucked away, nice and pretty and hidden, that's not what God's asking us to do. So we're going to talk about how our emotions reveal our beliefs. Crazy. That the expression of our emotions is actually revealing what we believe to be true. So it's a great big cycle. Our thoughts, they influence our emotions. And our emotions, they influence our beliefs which then in turn cycles through our thoughts and emotions and beliefs over and over and over and over and over again. And it becomes a great big spiral. And that's when we become spiritually vulnerable, when we're trapped in that spiral. But we need to be remembering that we need to constantly renew our minds, just like Pastor Carlo talked about last week, and taking those thoughts captive, and making them obedient to Christ, because it determines our actions. But it also determines our emotions. And I don't know about you, but I have found myself trapped in one of those spirals many, many times. You know those misconceptions that you've convinced yourself is real? Your emotions, they take over and they become the glasses that you perceive everything through. You know, it's like putting on those like kids' sunglasses that are all crazy colors and that's how you view everything. Our emotions, they tint everything. And you start to make up all these stories and ideas of how everyone must be out to get you. You know, I feel this way, so it must be true. Well, it's not. The truth, in fact, is often very different than what our emotions are feeling. And that's why it's so important that we are aware of those emotions so they don't impact our thoughts. We're going to read um, from Lamentations. And this is Jeremiah's perception of God. And this is a really wonderful example of why it's so important that we watch our emotions. Because this is what Jeremiah says. He says, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains even when I call out or cry for help. He shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked. Like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and made me the target for his arrows. 
He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughingstock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone, and all that I had hoped from the Lord. <laughs> He's a little honest there. And we think, what? That's in the Bible? I mean, that's okay for him to, like, lash out at God like that? We often hide those things because we think, no, 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 no. I can't talk to God like that. God already knows. But then he has a shift of emotions. He recalls the truth of who God is. And listen to what happens in the very next verse. This is starting at verse 19. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them. And my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind. And therefore, I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Jeremiah expressed all those emotions that we think are the not Christian emotions, the things we shouldn't say, the things we just kind of, no, 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 I didn't just have that thought. No, 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 I'm going to suppress that because it's not a godly thought. God doesn't want to hear that. Jeremiah expressed it all, but he also remembered the truth of who God is. And I've been there. My older brother, Corey, he was in the hospital. This was when I was in grade 11. He was grade 12, and he had had a stroke. And I had shared this story with you before, and I kind of forgot to share the ending with you. He is healthy. He is well. Praise God, he is doing well. There's also been times where I've been in that deep, deep emotion of like, what is going on? God, where are you? This is awful. Um, when Landon, my second boy, was born, he had jaundice real bad. And so every single day, we were in and out of the hospital getting blood work done. And we spent a couple days and nights in the hospital doing phototherapy to try and get his levels where they needed to be. And then even more recently, just a couple weeks ago, um, I'm expecting in September, but I found out that I might have gestational diabetes. And in every single one of those three situations, my emotions ran wild, absolutely wild. I started thinking all the things of, God, why is this happening? What's going on? I don't know what to do. I'm lost. I'm confused. Where are you? What do I do? But you know what? It's time for me to switch to the truth. I had to choose to focus on the truth and what I knew and believed about God. And the crazy thing is, in that moment, nothing about those situations changed. My brother was still in the hospital. I was still trying to coax a newborn, screaming into that little isolate that this is what we need to do. I was still waiting on the test results 
to see where my glucose levels were, if everything was going to be okay. In that moment, nothing changed on the outside, but everything changed on the inside. And I was able to see it clearly. So instead of spiraling out of control, I surrendered it to God and said, God, I know this is who you are. I know you're with me. I know you'll never fail me. You'll never leave me or forsake me. God, you are faithful. You are good. Neil Anderson says this. He says, you are not shaped by your environment as much as you are shaped by your perception of your environment. How often have we been there? You know, the the environment doesn't dictate us as much as our perception of it does. And that's those glasses we talked about earlier. How we view it, how we think of it, that's the influence that has way more control over us than the actual situation we are in. Remember that cycle, you know, the thoughts that lead to our emotions, that lead to our beliefs, that then influence our thoughts over and over and over again. But we have the power to influence which direction we're going to spiral. Are we going to spiral down into that, you know, where Jeremiah was? Or are we going to follow the second half of that example and spiral upwards? Neil Anderson continues, he says, If what we believe does not reflect truth, then what you feel does not reflect reality. It's those glasses again. We have to know what we believe and that has to be rooted in the truth or it will not reflect reality. We need to fill our minds with the truth and remain focused on who God is because our emotions change all the time. Especially if you're a woman, you know, all the ifs and ands and everything else. But our emotions change But Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we need to base our beliefs on that, not on our emotions. The emotions change. Jesus doesn't. And this is where I'm going to nerd out a little bit. Because when I went to school, I went to school for human services and early childhood education. There were all kinds of psychology courses and brain studies and The really, really cool thing about our brains is inside of our brains, they're filled with neurons. And inside of each of those neurons, there's a little thing called a microtubule. And that is constantly rewiring and rewriting itself. And you want to know the even crazier part? So from the moment you have a thought until the moment that that um, microtubule has completely rewritten itself is only 10 minutes. So from the time you have that thought that's based on that emotion, that's hopefully based on the truth, this can go either way. So within 10 minutes, you have the thought, you're either going to spiral down and out of control, or you're going to spiral up for the truth. In a matter of 10 minutes. That's insane. Which it can be the worst thing or the best thing. But which way are you going to choose? Which path are you going to choose? Because 10 minutes later, it makes a difference. And remember, our thoughts, they don't change our situation. But they can change our emotions and our response. What I mean, so one time, I I received this letter. 
And I opened the letter when I only had a couple seconds. Like, I was rushing off to the next thing. All I had time was to read the first sentence. And that was enough to send me into a spiral. All day long, I worried about what the rest of that letter said. What if it says this, and then this needs to happen, and what about this, and what about that? And I spiraled. But then, later that day, I read the rest of that letter, which said, all is taken care of, all is well, no further action required, everything's good. But I spent all day spiraling because of what I thought instead of what was true. But I could have spent all day rejecting those feelings of fear, worry, and anxiety, but I needed the truth in order to do that. I could have told myself, Ashley, it's going to be okay. You're just feeling this. I'm sure the letter's fine. But I didn't actually know the truth. So all that self-talk, all that reminding myself to be calm, it wouldn't have helped because I didn't know the truth. And we need to know the truth in order to stop that. And whether that's a letter, whether that's your day-to-day thoughts, we so often fill in the blanks and let our emotions spiral without remembering the truth. Genesis 4, 6, and 7 says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will, not be, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. We need to do what is right. Our emotions are the product of our trust in God, not a product of our situation. Our emotions impact us. Cain was angry. He needed a perspective shift. We need to remember that we can't ignore the warning signs of our emotions. We've talked about how we have those really, really big emotions, and often we're like, no, 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 that's not healthy. I just need to suppress it. But we can't do that. Those emotions are there for a reason. They are to your soul what your physical feelings are to your body. We don't ignore a broken bone. We don't ignore a gaping gash on our arms. We all know those need attention. Sometimes they need medical intervention. They need healing and they cannot be ignored or what happens? They get worse, just like our emotions. The more we ignore it, the more we suppress it, the worse it's going to get. It's going to cause more problems down the road than if we dealt with it properly in the first place. So I'm not a car person, but I know a little bit. So we've talked about this intervention and this recognition of our emotions. And we all know, you know, on our dashboard, they can come up with these little lights and they tell us things about what the car is doing and not doing, the things that's wrong and all of that wonderful stuff. So if a light pops up on the, on the dashboard, I don't usually know what it means. I might, on a good day, be able to tell you what the picture is, but it's usually, hey, Alex, there's a light on the dashboard. What does it mean? What do we do? Is it big? Is it bad? I don't know. I can't ignore it. 
But he has this little code reader that he can plug in and it tells him what that code means. And if you've ever seen these lights or ever talked to a mechanic or anybody, just because the engine light comes on doesn't mean it's the same root problem. That one light can mean any number of different things going on under the hood. Just like our emotions. When we act out in anger, when we act out in fear, when we act out in all these different emotions, we have to go to the root cause. You see, with this code reader, Alex can erase the code. But that doesn't fix the problem in the engine. It just erases it. And we're going to talk a little bit about how that's one of the strategies we use with our emotions. But we need to remember that just like that code is there, it's there for a reason. If I were to ignore it, it could be something minor, but it could be something major that's actually going to cause more problems in the end. The code isn't the problem. Your emotion isn't the problem. The root cause is, and that's what needs to be dealt with. So we're going to talk about three different ways that we deal with these emotions. Two are not healthy, but don't worry, we'll get to the healthy one. So the first one is the duct tape of suppression. This is where we deny and we bury. We don't deal with those emotions, especially those really hard ones that we don't like to deal with. We push them down, we tape over it because it's easier, it's faster. And if you've ever worked with duct tape, you know, it does a really, really good job of pretending to fix something. It can hold everything in place for a really long time, and it does a good job until it breaks. And then it makes a mess. It makes a mess everywhere. It hurts to take it off. Let me tell you, I thought about doing like a little demonstration where I'd bring up a piece of duct tape and, you know, show you. But then I was like, then I have to take it off. I don't want to have to do that in front of people where I just have to rip it off real quick. So just imagine that. Duct tape hurts to take it off. And I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that to take that duct tape off your emotions is going to be easy. It's not. But it has to happen in order for us to express that in a healthy way. I don't know if you've heard about something called toxic positivity. You know, media buzzes with this. You know, oh, there's such a toxic positive person. Now, there's good and there's bad to this toxic positivity thing. The toxic positivity is just, you know, get your head in the game. Stay positive. Just focus on your, you know, what's going to come good of this. And focus, focus, focus. Just stay positive. There is truth and merit in that. But the harm in that is it's like the duct tape. Well, this is hard. I'm just going to duct tape over this. This is messy. I'm just going to duct tape over this. I don't want anybody to know this is what I think about that person. Duct tape over it. I don't want to deal with this messy relationship. Duct tape over it. It's not a healthy thing to do. It's the easy thing to do. But it's not healthy. Psalm 32, 3 and 6 says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. David knew what it felt like to suppress it and to put that duct tape on. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. 
basically saying, eventually that spiral is going to impact us so much that it changes our beliefs of who God is, where God is, and how he's going to help us. We need to watch that spiral. And we sang in worship this morning, and I think this relates so well to this argument of toxic positivity. We don't need to remain always positive because sometimes in life, things just plain suck. No other way to say it. There's grief. There's that diagnosis. There's stuff that just is awful. And we can't stay positive about those things. But we must always rest in the truth. We must always root ourselves in the word of God and what he says. The song said, I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. So you may not be able to express those positive emotions, that positive sentence that you wish you could, but regardless of how negative and messy and hard that may feel, we can still keep our beliefs in check. We can still keep our thoughts in check and rooted in who God is, in his promises, in his faithfulness. That's where the spiral goes up. That's where we need to be. The second one we're going to talk about is the hammer of indiscriminate expression. And this seems like the antidote to suppression. You think, good, it's just, it's all coming out. That's good. It is good to come out, but the hammer of indiscriminate expression is where, you know, that that verbal diarrhea, that, it's off my chest. I got it all off. You know, you vented at someone and you feel a lot better. Been there, done that. Again, not a healthy way to deal with it. Because chances are the next time that same situation happens, you're going to have the same response. You're going to just like dump it all on somebody else. And nothing about that situation or the cause has changed. You haven't dealt with how to get through it. You've just dumped. You've dumped. You've dumped. And I feel better. But it's not healthy for the people around you. It hurts them. And it is not good. James 1, 19 and 20 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. Now, so often we're like, okay, I can't become angry because I just want to be righteous, and I have to put that anger aside, and I'm just going to like deal with that another day. That's the duct tape. The hammer's going, I'm just going to be so angry, and I'm going to get this all out. But in that we sin, we gossip, we speak negatively about others, we don't deal with it. The Bible says we can be angry, but it also very quickly says that we need to be slow to speak, slow to become angry, and that we cannot sin in that anger. Philippians 2, 14 and 16 says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine like stars in the sky. If you have kids, or if your kids were anything like me, I tended to grumble and complain a lot. But this is a spiral. The grumbling and complaining, we start to have these emotions that impact our thoughts and our beliefs change because of it. We grumble and complain our way into a whole new belief system. 
And that's not what God wants. He wants us to be children of God without fault. That shine among them like stars in the sky. We need to make Christ the center of our thoughts. So the last one, and the one that we want, we don't want the duct tape of suppression. We don't want the hammer of indiscriminate emotion. We want to be open. We want the openness of acknowledgement. So we're going to read Psalm 109. This is, if you want to turn in your Bibles with me, Psalm 109 and just you wait and see. This isn't going to sound like an openness, an acknowledgement, a good thing, but just let's get through Psalm 109 and we'll see. My God, whom I praise, do not remain silent. For people who are wicked and deceitful have opened their mouths against me. With words of hatred, they surround me. They attack me without cause. In return for my friendship, they accuse me. But I am a man of prayer. They repay me evil for good and hatred for my friendship. Appoint someone evil to oppose my enemy. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him be found guilty, and may his prayers condemn him. May his days be few. May another take his place of leadership. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children be wandering beggars. May they be driven from their ruined homes. May a creditor seize all he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his labor. May no one extend kindness to him or take pity on his fatherless children. May his descendants be cut off, their names be blotted out from the next generation. May the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord. May the sin of his mother never be blotted out. Youch! That doesn't sound very healthy. But we often think, you know, how could anyone say that to God? And we talked about this a little bit earlier with Jeremiah and Lamentations, but God already knows. God doesn't want us to come to him and, but God, I praise you. God, this is, this is good. It's all going to be okay. God doesn't want us to duct tape our emotions with him. He already knows. So that didn't surprise God. When David came to him and spoke his mind as it was, God was not surprised by that. But, again, just like Jeremiah in verse 26 and verse 30, David took those thoughts captive and he dealt with those emotions after acknowledging them. We need to learn from that. It's not wrong for us to talk to God about all those emotions we're feeling, to be honest with him about how hard it is, how much it hurts, and the things that we're thinking. But we must remember that we have to finish that process which is verse 26 and 30. Help me, Lord my God. Save me according to your unfailing love. With my mouth I will greatly extol the Lord. In the great throng of worshipers, I will praise him. We need to remember that we need to be real in order to be right. It's the very first thing we said today, that you need to be real in order to be right. To suppress those emotions isn't healthy. God already knows it. We need to honestly acknowledge and address those emotions and keep our minds fixed on the truth in order to be right. So what does that look like? My son just finished SK, but I remember when he started JK. He was just three years old because he had a December birthday, 
And he would come home almost every day from school and have like this crazy emotional outburst that was so uncharacteristic of him. And it caught me right off guard. I went, what is going on? This isn't like you. Why are you like this? Like trying to figure it out. And I just couldn't. But then I remembered this thing that we learned in school. And in school, I learned that it's better to not give your kid a time out. Bear with me. I'm not a crazy parent that doesn't believe in disciplining my kid. There is a place for discipline and it must, must, must happen. But there's a difference between a time out and a time in. With that time out, what it does is it's telling our kids, go deal with your emotions. Go figure it out on your own. And at three years old, do you think my kid can figure out what's going on? Not a chance. He's so caught up in these emotions and everything that's happened that day at school, he comes home to me, his safe place, and he dumps it. So a timeout would tell him, put the duct tape on, just figure it out and come back to me when you're ready. But the flip side of that is if I ignored it, I'm teaching him that he can have that hammer of suppression or that hammer of indiscriminate emotion and he can just lay it all out on me and everything's going to be all fine and good. Neither of those are okay. So we had to do a time in where we check in, where we talk about, okay, this expression is not okay. You cannot yell at me. You cannot scream. You cannot act this way. But why is this happening? Nine times out of 10, he was a hungry three-year-old boy that just needed a snack. Give him a snack and he's fine. But sometimes there were those days where you come home bringing the baggage of school and the friends acted out and the friends did this and the friends did that and he kept it in, composed himself through the whole day, did what he knew was the right thing to do, comes home where it's safe and goes, I don't know what to do with this. And as a little three-year-old, it all comes out on me. So we had to walk through that. Okay, Kian, I know you're hungry. You just need to ask me for a snack. Kian, I know, was it a hard day at school today? You can tell me that. Tell me, mommy, I had a hard day. Mommy, my friend said this. My friend did that. I didn't know what to do. We'll talk about it because we have to deal with that root cause or those tantrums never would have ended. But they did. It didn't take long before I realized, okay, have a snack ready when I pick him up from school. Check in on him. Give him space to go play for a couple minutes. But we have to keep those emotions in check. The emotion is not the sin. We need to remember how we can express those and deal with that root cause. We talked about this time in, and I think that's something that even as adults... We need to give ourselves a time in sometimes. In fact, I'm going to say, like, we need to give ourselves a time in every single day. There's a weapon in stillness and silence. Mark 1.35 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus, the Son of God, who is God, <laughs> knew how important it was to go off in solitude and pray. He dealt with those emotions. And you know what? We get to do that too. 
We get to be in the presence of God. We get to be in solitude with him, but it's hard. I'd rather put that duct tape on sometimes and just keep going. Distract myself with busyness. Distract myself with my schedule, my kids, work, whatever it is. Just keep going. But we need to be in that solitude. And those come against us to deter us. Because Jenny Allen says this in one of her studies on Right Now Media. It's called Get Out of Your Head. And it's a fantastic series that I highly recommend. But this is what she says. She says, it's so hard because real, connected, intimate time with Jesus is the very thing that grows our faith, shifts our minds, and brings about revival. So all hell is against you meeting with Jesus. The enemy knows that if we can be in solitude with him, if we can have our thoughts, our emotions in check and focused on truth, we're not going to have those spirals. We're not going to have that emotional reaction that if impacts our thoughts and our beliefs. We spend that time in solitude and the enemy doesn't have a foothold. So he's going to do everything he can to stop us from that. So instead of that spiral... We need to choose stillness. So as we wrap up, we need to remember emotional honesty. What is that? How do we dish it out? How do we take it? We've been talking about these unhealthy and healthy ways to deal with emotion. We don't want the duct tape. We don't want the hammer. We want that open acknowledgement. But how do we give that and how do we receive it? Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So often we just kind of react to what people are saying. I could have reacted to Kian's emotions saying, stop it, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. But that's not what he needed. Our brains are equipped with yet another wonderful thing in these things called neurons. And it's a mirror neuron. And what that does is it actually mirrors what you're seeing. So have you ever been, you know, it's there to help us with the empathy, to relate to those emotions. But have you ever been in those conversations where you just leave and you can't help but like smile from ear to ear and you're like, wait, what? Why am I smiling? Well, you've just been in conversation with somebody who is so full of joy and smiling that your brain is saying, imitate that, imitate that. But we've also all left those conversations where you leave feeling why am I so drained and exhausted? I was having a good day. What's going on? Those mirror neurons are reflecting what they see in other people. When listening to emotional honesty, when someone is openly acknowledging their emotions and dealing with them in a healthy way and talking to you about them, we need to remember that we are to listen and respond to the pain they are feeling not the way they've chosen to express it. Remember back to Kian? If I just said, stop, this emotion is not okay. You can't lash out like this. He's just going to learn, okay, I put the duct tape on, bottle it up, and one day there's going to be a much, much bigger explosion. He's never going to learn to deal with those emotions and to process that through. But we also just can't let those lash outs happen. Because we have to deal with that and that the emotion, the expression, how do we deal with that in a healthy way? When you're talking with someone, how can you relate to that pain they're feeling? They might not say it in a way you would choose to say it, but there's a deep pain there and that's what we need to relate to. 
So regardless of whether we're giving or receiving that emotional honesty, we need to remember Ephesians 4.15 and speak the truth in love. We talked about being angry and not sinning. But we also need to remember to speak the truth in love. Otherwise, we're just like that hammer. Well, we spoke the truth, but it certainly wasn't in love. We've just hurt all the people around us. And when we talk about speaking the truth in love, we also need to know our own limits. When we're giving out that emotional honesty and we're just letting it all out, I need you to know there are sometimes Alex and I are in conversation and I just need to stop the conversation and go, you know what? I'm really sorry. I just need to go upstairs because I need some time. Because I know in my head, if I respond right then, right there, right now, I'm going to say something I'm going to regret. I'm too angry, I'm too emotional, I'm too upset about whatever the situation is. And I need to go, okay, I just need a few minutes. And then we go back and finish the conversation. Otherwise, I've just duct taped over it and that didn't help anything either. I have to go back and deal with it. But not in that moment or I will say something I will regret. So all this to say that our emotions need more attention than we tend to give them. Their warning signs and how we deal with them is so very, very important. So I challenge you, just like Pastor Melissa shared at Beautifully Flawed last week, let's do some digging. Rip off the duct tape, put the hammer away, honestly express those emotions to those you can trust. We're not just spewing off at anybody and everybody. We have that few that we can really trust. And those are the ones that we're going to be honest with. We're going to acknowledge those emotions and be true with them. So today, if you're watching online, there is Zoom prayer following this. If you're in person and you need prayer, pastoral staff is here. But we just need you to know that whether you've got that duct tape that needs to come off, whether you've got that hammer you just can't seem to let go of, and you want to say, God, I just want the duct tape gone. I know it's a process. I know it's going to take time. I know it's going to hurt, but it has to come off because it needs healed. It needs dealt with. I want my beliefs and my thoughts to be based on you. Or that hammer you're going, I just don't want to keep hurting the people around me. I know it needs to come out, but I need it to be healthy and I need your help. Or maybe you just have in one of those weeks that you just need somebody to pray with you. Let me tell you this. Our prayer team is amazing. They love our church. And they want to pray for you. So whether you're in the building or whether you're online, I encourage you, make use of that time of prayer. Our Zoom prayer, a pastor will meet you in Zoom and they'll send you into a breakout room with a prayer, mem a prayer team member and they love you. The weeks that I've been blessed to be able to facilitate that, I have been so encouraged by those prayer team members. Don't be afraid of prayer. Nobody is shaming you. Nobody is watching. <gasps> hmm. I wonder. I think there's, if we're being honest, I think every single one of us, myself included, in this room have a piece of duct tape that needs removed or that hammer we've picked up that we need to put down. So this week I challenge you. Take some time, be accountable to someone, find those people that you can be open with to acknowledge those emotions and bring about healing. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for the ways that you've taught us
that our emotions are not bad. We thank you that you have big shoulders, that we can bring those emotions to you openly, honestly, without fear and without shame. But more than that, Father, we thank you that you are there to bring healing. That when we put our hope and our trust in you, God, those emotions will change. The situation may not change, but God, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Lord, we pray this week that you would help us take off that duct tape, that you'd help us put down that hammer, and you'd help us to be real and honest. For those of us, Lord, that don't have those people in our lives that we can trust, Lord, we pray that you would begin to surround them, that you would show them who those people are. And for those people that are supporting God, we pray that you would tell them who they need to reach out to. Father, we give you this week, and we ask you to teach us how to be true so we can be right. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you. Have an amazing week. And if you need prayer, just click on the website or stay and join us in person. Have a wonderful week. And thank you for joining us. We'll see you again next week. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you. And that you come back and check out next week's